Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. What a joy it is to bring you today's interview with a woman who is truly one of the most respected and adored members of the Hollywood community, Jennifer Garner. Her success career-wise has seen her move effortlessly between pretty much every genre, from Alias and Daredevil to 13 Going on 30 to critically acclaimed films like Juno and Dallas Buyers Club. And now she's producing two, and you can see her latest effort on that front on Netflix right now. It's called Yes Day in which she also stars, and it's about the one day when parents have to say yes to everything, something Jen does in her own life with her own kids. It's such a welcome escape from all the heaviness that we're all contending with right now. It's truly a tonic. We'll discuss all of that, and we'll also talk about the arc of her career, what's enabled her to stay grounded amid all the paparazzi madness, the genius that is her Instagram, and her passion for causes and projects far beyond Hollywood, like Save the Children and Once Upon a Farm. So enjoy. Here's the wonderful Jennifer Garner. Jen Garner, it's awesome to see you on this Monday and to talk to you. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to see you, Krista. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's been a minute or two, so I'm just going to like bask in being able to talk to you and look at you. And I'm so excited about Yes Day and this film just like it felt like a tonic for everybody. I mean, it just dropped and everybody watched it and it was the number one movie and pe- it's still trending and we're two weeks out of it almost. I mean, did you have any idea when you were making this film that it would um, hit the way it did? No, of course not. No, you never you never know. And, and anytime you do kind of uh, think that you've got something special on your hands, it's hubris tends to come back and smack you in, in, in the biscuit. But um, so no, I don't go there anymore. But I did know the intention behind it because, you know, the we were all on the same page, the production team as we were developing it and as we were making it and, and our, you know, and Ori and Emily at Netflix, we just, it was such a great cohesive unit with the, and the, the idea of it was so clear that I think that, um, you know, it's, it's great that people are picking up on it. And I'm so, I'm just so, I'm so happy that it's bringing people a minute of joy. And you made this before the lockdown and pandemic, correct? So this was all, so it's impossible to know how much we needed this when we needed of- it. Of course, I needed it personally, which is what I kind of poured into it is what I needed to get back out of it. But um, we wrapped, I think, the second or third week of February, um, right before the pandemic. Wow. Um, Huge crowd scenes, everything that would never have been possible (laughs) even a month later. Yeah. I mean, for for you personally, and now knowing that it's a a success, uh, you can look back with, with those lenses. But 
for you, what did you get out of it in the making of it and in the wanting to do it? Um, gosh, I, I wanted to do it because I was really, I was, I, I watched this, um, maybe it was a Ted talk that Amy Krauss Rosenthal, um, did. She wrote yesterday, the children's book. She was the beautiful children's book author. She is really well known for the New York times article or op-ed where she said, please marry my husband as she was dying from ovarian Mm. cancer. And she passed away a couple of days after writing this incredible piece about her husband, Jason Rosenthal, and about their kids and about the kind of man he was and what she wanted for him after she was gone. And that piece is really what adults know her for. And if you know that, and then you go back and you have a connection to her children's literature, which I do, um, you can't help but just want to know a little bit more. So one of the things that Amy believed was that if you beckon loveliness, loveliness will come. And if you want a lovely life, you just have to beckon it. And there were things she believed to be lovely. And she had these gatherings. She would say like way back before, I mean, she would have killed on social media, but she would say, meet me at the bean in Chicago where, where she and her family lived um, or her husband and kids still, but meet me at the bean at eight o'clock on, on Tuesday night. I'll be the one with the yellow umbrella. And they, people would show up, like a couple thousand people, I think, showed up and they just did lovely things. They yelled happy things. They danced. They just came up with lovely things to do. And that kind of just carried on into their lives. And so I, I just, I love this concept so much. And this film is my my idea of beckoning this kind of loveliness for myself. And I had just played a couple of dark characters in a row and they're really fun. I mean, I'm, I'm looking to do another one right now, but, but they aren't me. (laughs) And so it's always nice to go back to your heart and soul. And that is me as a parent and just me as a, you know, as a partner and as, um, yeah. Just somebody out there doing their best and screwing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just, I took away from watching the film, like, how did you ride? And I need you to factor fiction. Did you ride in the front of a roller coaster? Did that uh, happen? Do you, do, you, do you want to see the raw footage? Yes, I did. Wow. Cause I don't know. I mean, that's like a whole other level. And have you ever done that before? I did that kind of thing when I was younger. I mean, at one point I talked Michael Eisner into letting the whole Disney crew bring their families to Disneyland. And we, we had um, all of California adventure to ourselves for hours after the park closed. It was the most fun I may have ever had in my life. And I was so scared of the roller coaster, but every department of the show, like the grips, the electrics, in my memory, at least, they might tell it differently, but they all wanted their turn watching me freak out on the roller coaster and there was no line. So I kept having to ride it with with everyone. So I was scared of it and would scream, but it wasn't like it is now. I wanted to die. Yeah. There's something about after you have kids and just age, like getting... (laughs) That riding in that front car, um, just talk me through a little bit of it, just a smidge. 
Well, I really used to be pretty fearless. If you said action and I didn't have a choice, I did jump off buildings. I, I would do crazy things, but something has happened to me where I suddenly have a little fear of, not a little, I have a fear of heights and I have a fear of falling and I have, you know, and it takes a lot more for me to do something like this than it used to. Um, and it's like a physical thing, my inner ears. And anyway, I developed this script. I knew this was part of it. And I said, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then when the day come, came, I was such a wreck. And I was so, um, and I had a scopolamine patch behind my ear and I had taken an anti-nausea because I just thought, am I going to be sick? Is it going to really destroy me while I'm on the road, ride in front of the camera and everything? And as we got on, I was, my hands were visibly shaking. I was tearful. And as we got off, I was fully crying. And then he said, we need to go again. And I said, okay, I just have to walk around a little bit. I just have to like cry and curse a little bit. But I know the footage was almost not usable because I kept screaming, Jenna, 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 over and over to my co-star instead of Katie, Katie, Katie. (laughs) That's funny. Well, I... (laughs) I mean, I, I uh, hats off to you for that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I could do that. But I love that you that you did do it. It kind of makes me feel like, okay, because my kids are always like, ride the roller coaster or run in the ocean. And I'm always a little like, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's a little terrifying for me. And I always, I always bow out. I will tell you this. Don't. If they say ride the roller coaster, don't. You would say don't, right? There's a certain thing where you say no. Mm-mm. It'll destroy the rest of your day unless you are prepped like I was. You have it's the, you're, you're, it's a possibility that the rest of your day you could be completely wobbly and green. <laughs> so I would say leave that to the boys. That is good for them. They have each other. That's why you they had have two. each other. Uh, <laughs> well, the the great thing about this movie, and I think one thing that really uh, you know, probably helped contribute to it being such a success is all the family tension. And especially because we've all been in our houses together or whatever that looks like apartments, you know, doing homeschooling, doing everything. I've lived at the sink. I live at the sink. Basically, I'm like, mm-hmm. you either find me here or at the sink. So all of that stuff, the tension is, is, is peaking. And the idea of like kind of breaking that tension and also having a 15 year old. And I know you, you, you have a 15 year old too, or coming up upon 15 full blown teenagers. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk to you about what do you do? Cause I know you're not perfect and we all want to project perfection on you because you're pretty damn close, but for you, Jen, like how do you stay calm when you're losing your temper like I just did last night because my oldest wouldn't do the dishes his chore and it gets so challenging like how do you get how do you get through it oh I mean sometimes I I give a warning and I say I'm, I'm getting really close to getting really mad and they I so rarely scream or yell that they get so freaked out when I do that, that is, that helps. But sometimes I just have to walk away and I say, you need to be away from me. I need to remove myself from you. We're past the point of this being productive or just lovely in any way. And I need you to be in another room. I mean, what else can, I don't, what else can you do? You can't like kick them out. (laughs) You can't, you just have to get away, you know? 
Yeah, it's challenge. It's challenging, and I'm and I am going to do a yes day with my kids during spring break. Uh, we are going to do that. So I hope I'm. We're not going to go to amusement park, but we are going to do it. Uh, I'm so glad. What are you going to do? What is your What is your plan? I mean, for with them, they're probably going to make me play chess and do Dungeons and Dragons, which is also like. I don't know. Roller coaster might be easier. That's three and a half minutes. I don't know. Have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? I mean, oh my, but days. they'll be so happy to show you how they can geek out. It'll make them so <laughs> happy, especially if you put your phone away. That's the hardest part. <laughs> I know. Totally. The phone addiction. Um, talk to me about Edgar Ramirez and also Miguel Arteta. Like, what did you learn from them? I know you've been doing this for, for the better part of, you know, 25 20 plus- yeah, 25 mm. years. Like, but every time you arrive on set, you're learning something. So what did you learn from them? Um, Miguel, I had worked with Miguel before on um, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. And before every take, I mean, not even that he needed it with Steve Carell around and those awesome kids. But before every take, Miguel would say, Joy, go. So to me, he was the perfect and only candidate for this film. And I begged um, everyone else to see it my way. And of course they did immediately. And then we begged Miguel to do it. And, and luckily for us, he said yes. And I think in the beginning, he, I, don't, I don't know if he really took me seriously that we were going to make this happen, but I'm so glad we got to do it together. And from Miguel, um, I, it's really just, he just has a clear vision. He has a clear vision. I mean, he's really a believer that if you cast it right, you're halfway there. And he has a clear vision about how to cast and about choosing the quirky one and fighting for them. Like our sweet little Julian didn't come in with a typical, he wasn't a polished LA actor kid. He was a he had a lot of Broadway energy. He had a lot of pizzazz. He had a quirkiness to him, but he didn't really know how to be supernatural in an audition. So instead of just taking, you know, the easy no, Miguel knew how special Julian was, showed him to me. I saw it. He flew out, little Julian and his mom, Aaron, and we just played with him and worked with him. All of it came out in an instant. And you know, he got the job and, and his ebullience, I think, really carries the film. So it's things like that. It's knowing that Faxon is going to be amazing and then finding ways to tie it in and knowing that we needed a final rewrite and, you know, enlisting me to kind of fight for it with Scott Stuber, although he gave it without much of a fight and to have Mike White come and do three magical, perfect days on the script at the very end. And just he just kind of knew he knew when something needed to happen. And he's just always right. Mm hmm. And for Edgar, what was that like working with him? Edgar, from the moment I met him, I mean, you sit down with Edgar and he just goes off a cliff into a deep conversation right away. And, you you know, you just think like, first of all, he's so handsome. I remember he winked at someone on set and she turned to me and she goes, I think I may be pregnant. <laughs> he's so, he's just so smoldery, you know, he's not somebody that you see and think like hilarious and it was so fun to watch him break it down and learn how to be funny he's naturally funny but to learn the rhythms of it to learn to take the air out the thinking to just kind of go for it and he just started watching old films and he just went for it and it was it's a it's amazing because it reminds you of how much you still have to learn as an actor and then he was just fearless and uh from Edgar, I mean, 
his warmth and how hard he worked to create the family feel with the kids, how hard he worked with those kids day in and day out was an incredible thing to see. And I do think that kind of, um, that kind of relational stuff does translate for me Mm -hmm. in, you know, to an audience. Mm-hmm. And you're uh, you, you're a producer on this, and you you mentioned that you you were on this from from jump. How different is that the day of the set? Like when you arrive, you know, day in and mm. day out. How different is that being a producer on a film? I mean, the producing team was so strong that by the time we were on set, I wasn't dealing with you know somebody isn't showing up here. I would kind of get to hear the scuttlebutt, but the development part of it and the post part of it were, and selling it, those were really my, especially because I had yes days with my kids for nine years. This all started because Ben Everard showed his wife, Ben's wife, Mary showed Ben, he showed Lawrence. They got, they had the rights or whatever to the book and they came to Nicole and me. And that's how it started a post that I had put up after a yes day before the world was talking about it in the way that they are, where I looked as bedraggled as one would look. Um, And so I have the most personal experience of the team of doing Yes Days with Nicole right behind. And um, it was just so that like my vision of the mom and the kids relationships was so important to me. And everyone was so respectful of that, that that's really where um, that's really what, where I felt like, okay, this I have a little bit of input on. Mm-hmm. One of the beautiful mm-hmm. things is you never show your kids in in the Instagrams. It's always just you, <laughs> which which also I love. Um, and I am a devotee to your uh, your gram, as they say. <laughs> Whether it's the pretend cooking show or the dance videos, I watch on repeat and just think to myself, where did she find these? Uh, so, could you talk to me a little bit about? Instagram and opening up like as you do. And it's interesting to me to hear you say that it started from a post that led to a movie that led to so much joy for so many people. And it is because I know you went kicking and screaming into Mm -hmm. doing social media because obviously, you know, your relationship with the world is so public as it is with with paparazzi and every minute of your day uh, can be photographed. But can you just talk a little bit about how that relationship has evolved with social media for Jen Garner? Oh, I went in kicking and screaming. I, I, I cried. I was really a baby about it. Um, but I was so excited to start Once Upon a Farm as a co-founder. And that was an integral piece of being one of the co-founders of that company that it was just like, well, if this is what it's going to take, then we're going to figure it out. But I have to do it on my terms. So when at first they said, the ideal is you post every day, you do several stories, you post maybe two times a day, I completely fell apart. Or the idea is you do this, you do that. I just said, I can't, I have to do this for me. And that means that it has to be authentic to me. I'm not hiring a company to do it. It has to be, um, you know, and so sweet Mo, who's worked for me for eight years now, um, she, God bless her. She just, I, I just said, guess what? You do Instagram. <laughs> she was like a kick-ass assistant. And I said, okay, I know you have a film degree and now this is what you do. Um, so we do it together. And by the way, she still does all my assistant stuff. My kids call her my nanny. Um, 
And so she shoots it and cuts it and we sit together and do the final cut and she's great with music. And, um, we send each other stuff back and forth and we post sometimes we'll go a week without just because sometimes we'll do one every day. Some it's, it's really just based on what we can get done, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it is all about, um, our combined sense of humor and our combined quirky eye and, um, and about being a mom and about my experience in the world without, uh, without my kids, even though I think sometimes they, it makes them mad. (laughs) Does it make them mad that they're not in it and celebrated in it? Or does it make, oh, it does. Okay. A little bit. I think they wouldn't mind, you know, they're cute. They're like, it would be so easy. They're just adorable and hilarious. I would, I would love it, but I kind of made this stand when we fought the paparazzi and, um, and fought for that bill. And so it feels, it just, for me, feels hypocritical to go backwards. Mm -hmm. And how, how has the paparazzi been of late for you? I had them all day yesterday, but I only had a couple. I mean, it used to be 15 or 20. So I can, you know, I, I wish no paparazzi is 20 billion times better than one, but it's still, I can move around the world without being an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. And have you have you stopped even thinking? I mean, obviously you clocked that there were two, but at this point you just do you almost not even notice it. They know that you always notice it, unfortunately. But I, they do. You know, they will. I won't go on a walk as much if I if I peek out and see them. I kind of will stay inside. But you know what? It's so just. It's so not a problem compared to what happens in the world. That it's like, ugh. I'm just grateful to. I'm grateful for the law, for Halle Berry getting that passed and, you know, pushing that through. And I'm really just grateful to the magazines for showing the kids so much less. It makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Makes a huge difference. It really does. Because we just don't know how that's going to affect the kids. We just, you know, how that affects their... their life and, and growing up with like the end results. I remember talking to Hallie about that at one point and she was just saying like, you know, her daughter, her young daughter was like looking for the cameras when she was little because it's all she'd ever known. And like, what, what's the end game of that? So no, that's still kudos to that. I forget that it's been a while now since that law passed. So I don't think people really realize that. Um, all right, let's talk about once upon a farm since you brought, brought it up this, um, I love this, right? Obviously, it stems from you and it stems from your mom and it stems from the family farm in mm-hmm. Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. it feels like it completely ties in uh, laterally to what you do with Save the Children mm-hmm. and who you mm-hmm. are as a human. And as much as I love seeing you in a red carpet dress and your figure is through the roof and you've always like... Uh, been in such great shape and you can just wear the shit out of a dress. Excuse me, I can swear. I know you don't, but I will. I love seeing you in overalls. <laughs> I love the Jen and like I love farmer Jen and overalls and and that like the 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 mud and the boots. <laughs> I love the tractor Jen. And it, that feels to me like that's Jen right there. Like you could do the other stuff really well too, but that's really who who you are. How wrong am I or am I kind of right? You are a hundred percent right. It's kind of hilarious that I can clean up and put on a dress because, you know, all I would wear it in elementary school were overalls to the point that my mom just had to, she just made pair after pair. I had a green pair, a yellow pair, denim, Oshkosh Bagash, 
and um, all my dresses were were overall pinafore dresses. I just like how many pockets there are. I like how easy they are. And I still, um, uh, my first, one of my first headshots, I was wearing gingham overalls. And <laughs> I remember Nicole having to deal with this like early, early on and wait 21 years ago and just being like, can we get rid of this? And I was like, well, I don't know. Um, but yes, I am, I am so happy to have my hands in the dirt. I'm so happy to watch things grow. I was just outside checking on um, my clementines right now. And it's just an incredible thing, by the way, just the fact that, you know, you have a seed and suddenly you have fruit or a vegetable. Um, I'll never get over it. So what are the goals for you? Because I know, you know, you have to learn the business of business and it's one thing to have an idea, but success is always in the execution, right? And the measure of that success. So for you, uh, a multitasker, obviously extraordinaire. I mean, we can look to how many things you're able to juggle and the how you're able to compartmentalize and time manage and all that stuff is super admirable. Uh, and I learned that from you. But for you, what does success look like for you with with this venture? Well, success looks for me like my 15-year-old reaching for her third pouch in a day because there's no sugar added and because it's tasty and she can have it, you know, between classes. Success looks for me to me like um, moms trusting our brand for their infant, for their toddler, for their kids, because they know that we are pure, that we don't have, have heavy metals, because they know that we're plant-based, because they know that there is nothing in our pouch that is a puree or, or a concentrate, that we are straight, you know, straight fruits, veggies, seeds, coconut milk, whatever it is, ground up, flax seeds, hemp seeds, you know, all, spirulina, all the good stuff. And and, you know, um, cold pressed so that it stays safe for their kids. And, but what I love is that it's a whole new team to be a part of. Obviously, I don't know any, I never took a business class in college. I was a BFA. I don't know anything. I just learned in the spreadsheet that when there's parentheses around something, that means it's a minus. I had no idea. Um, I, I think it like net versus gross. I mean, it's ridiculous how, how ignorant I am really. And I'm making my kids take business. Um, but I'm part of a team. Again, it's like just being one of many producers and everyone has their part to play. And John Forker is our CEO and he's just, he's incredible. And Cassandra Curtis is out there doing her magic in the kitchen and lets me participate. It's just so much, it's, it's so fun to watch the brand. We're in a moment where it's really taking hold and where families are just depending on us in such a big fat way. And, um, and the only way to go is, is up. And that just starts at infancy. It's so it's, it's great, but it goes all the way up now. I mean, for me, it's so important to age up because I have big kids and I still have lunch boxes. Mm -hmm. And is your family involved in it as well? The extended family? My uncle Robert and my aunt Janet run the family farm, which is a supplier, this little farm where my mom grew up really poor in Locust Grove, Oklahoma, like really poor with my uncle Robert and a parcel of kids. Um, and that farm never grew anything besides a, a, some pecan trees. And, you know, they would have chickens and a couple of cows and they would have a big garden that um, my grandma Violet would can from and feed them from. And they were really happy there, but it's never been a working farm. And when I started Once Upon a Farm, I said, you know, it's funny. I actually have this untouched family farm. I mean, I'm, it's certainly organic. Nothing's touched the soil. 
And the next thing you know, I said to Uncle Robert, who was just retiring as 40 years as being a plumber. And I said, can you, do you think you could be a biodynamic farmer? Would you like that? And then he said, well, I know how to irrigate. And so he's this amazing, you know, he's out there working in the fields all day, every day. This year, we're going to grow pumpkins. Um, and then I get to make up a special, a special like flavor or whatever, just from the farm. And it's just kind of heaven. And where, where can people find um, Once Upon a Farm? They can find it once upon a farm organics.com. They can find us at all the big retailers everywhere from Target, Walmart, Whole Foods, um, Kroger, Publix, uh, Meyer. We're we're kind of we're kind of everywhere. That's huge. I mean, how long ago did you start this? 2018. Wow, that's a lot in, in three years. That's huge. And that's sweet. so exciting. Really that's exciting. So... Thank you. Thanks for asking about it. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, that's amazing. Um, all right. So businesswoman, producer, actress, mom, obviously the mom stuff changes as your kids get older. And I did notice that you're one, you're on another Netflix movie because you were in, I saw you posting about it with Mark Ruffalo. You're 13 mm-hmm. going on 30 uh, co-star. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing, you just came back obviously from filming that. How was that to be away from Los Angeles, away from the kids for the first time in a long time, right? You were gone almost a month. I was gone almost a month and it's the longest I've been away from my kids times four or five. I've never, I've always been really kind of, I'll leave for four days, maybe five occasionally a couple of times, but I really try to keep it to four and I'm happy to get on, you know, I'm happy to get on a plane um, to see them no matter what, even for a couple hours, but this is just what it is. And I could not, I just said to them, guys, I can't even feel badly about it because people are going through a lot to work during COVID. Nothing has been asked of us. It's been hard. This is it. And this is what it takes. And it's my job and I have to do it. And I'm so confident in you. I'm confident in our relationship. I know we'll be okay. And lucky for me, Ben was home. So they had that time with their dad, which that kind of extended time, I think he really reveled in. And um, I know they loved. So it was um, it was a win-win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, what are you thinking about for you know, the next phase of your career continuing that, because it's kind of amazing. You know, you look, um, you look at the scope and the arc of your career and you really are a unicorn. I mean, you were the hot it girl. I remember shooting you as the next Cindy Crawford with her Brits, uh, on the beach. And it was in the middle of alias and it was the first time uh welcome to LA I saw like food delivery because you were having to work out and like whether it was like lose weight or be in peak shape because it was so physical a performance I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember that I, I certainly remember it very vividly because yeah. that was my yeah I do Sunfair. yes so I was like wow you get food <laughs> delivered and you've got to be up at five in the morning it was just it was so intense but that that was part that's been part of your journey. The glamour girl's been part of your journey. The, you know, number one on the call sheet, action star, femme fatale's been part of your journey. Mom, pregnancy being the answer to all things female. You know, you have an incredible ability to relate to people. Um, and it's not imagined. It's very, very real. So, like, how do you see all of that evolving? you know, in this 
in this next third of our lives, I guess I would say, if we're going to divvy it up. Well, gosh, our next third. Um, I guess, I mean, the piece that you said about Once Upon a Farm now being a direct contributor to Save the Children, and, and it all kind of, it's all of a piece. And I feel like that's kind of how anything that comes in has to feel. Um, it all has to go together. I, I can do tangential things, but it has to feel like it suits it suits me. So I'm thinking of playing somebody dark next because I do, I do like what an action role asks of me. Just there's something like a sicko thing in me that, that likes that hard work and likes that kind of playing a scene all the way out so fully that you are, you have to kill someone, you know, um, I do, I just, I like that expression of, of our job. Um, and I, but it all has to kind of, you know, even if I dial that stuff up for a while, then the next thing you know, I'll really crank up Once Upon a Farm and, and Save the Children. So I kind of toggle between those three things. The next thing I'm going to do also, um, I don't know what, what's going to happen in what order, but I have another family film for Netflix based on a different Amy Krauss Rosenthal book with the same, almost the same production, the producing team that we've had a blast um, developing with Victoria Strauss. And, um, that's going to be, that's called family leave and it's a body switching movie with the whole family. And it's just kind of, um, hilarious. And I, it makes me laugh out loud. I hope we get to do it. I hope it all happens this summer. Now, do your kids want to be in any of your movies? Do they ask to be, do you think you've got an actor in the, in, in any of them? I could very easily have one or two actors. I'd be surprised if I had all three and I'd be surprised if I have none. Um, (laughs) I know that I, luckily I don't think they'll hear this, so I can say that, um, that I have a feeling that there's one in there, uh, but I'm not, I'm not sure there could be two, but there, no, they know, um, you know, Ben was a child actor Mm -hmm. and they just, his experience is so specific and they know that the two of us are totally aligned. Mm-hmm. And they will be in school. Boring, boring. <laughs> I was just going to say aligned in, right? Because I remember Ben did like a soap opera, right? When he was a teenager, which is. How and he before has that, that, he did um, he did this thing called Voyage of a Mimi that was half science documentary and half drama. And he was the lead. And it, when he was starting when he was eight, it was, I think it was on PBS and he just worked his little tail off. And um, anyway, I, I just think our kids will probably just be in boring old school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For now. For now. For now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So I always ask this question and I, and I really want to dig deep on it for you because with you, and I ask this to any, anybody I talk to, and it, it always centers around advice and learnings that you have um, to pass to pass the baton. And I always feel, especially as women, we're, we, we owe it to the next generation mm-hmm. and the generation and so on and so on to pass, to pass the baton on. And f- for someone that's had such a unique career from being as relevant in, in different ways, but equally as important from when you were, you know, 25 to 45 is, is a unique thing to maintain and to still have a seat at the table and to still have, you know, the ability to be able to produce and the ability to start something like a whole other project outside of acting, like, like the farming and the organic foods. 
One, what has kept you grounded? And two, what advice do you have for another young woman coming out of West Virginia or coming out of Oklahoma or coming from somewhere that isn't within the L.A. ecosystem that's grown up and around Hollywood or let's say New York and Broadway or kind of mm-hmm. understands the easy steps towards towards making a career in the arts? Well, what keeps me grounded? I've thought about this a lot lately, so I have an answer. Um, I have a pretty firm grasp on the element nobody likes to think about because I think it it almost undermines your own hard work or talent or whatever, which is my luck. I have a pretty firm grasp on my luck. And that keeps me grateful. It keeps me pretty humble. It keeps me um, just like enjoying it because your luck can change. But um, whatever got me from Charleston, West Virginia to my first job, a lot of things had to go my way, starting with the zip code I was born in in Charleston and the the parents that I was born to with college educations and what that meant that you just you know it's this thing I say would save the children it, that I heard somebody say and ripped so I didn't make this up but every born every baby is born with the same brains the same opportunity the same future in front of them until they leave the hospital and then everything changes so right there like luck is heading and it has happened for you if you're even listening to this podcast Um, and what advice I would have is follow the fun. I mean, if it's so fun for you to be around a stage that you don't mind scrubbing the toilets just to have a bit part that you don't mind, you know, um, if you, if you just love being around film so much that you don't mind cleaning up after the editors, keep following that and have fully focus on where you are. But if something else comes up, that's an opportunity, even if it's working for free, even if it, but if it comes up, follow it, just take it. Just, I mean, it's kind of like the movie, just keep saying yes, but wherever you are, work so hard and so fully on that instead of annoying everyone with, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be this, just like be here and you'll create the next opportunity for yourself. That's my, that's my Mm -hmm. belief. That's good. I also, can I say one more thing about it though? I also think more and more that as actors have, have only themselves to draw on. So make sure that your journey toward whatever it is that you, you know, you want to reach, make sure that it's rich. Don't like, don't, don't give up on actually living. Don't just feel like you're waiting for X, Y, or Z. I mean, when I was, First leaving in New York, I one of my best friends is Jean Louisa Kelly, who's an actress from like Mr. Holland Opus and all kinds of things. And she and I were both struggling at the same time. And when one of us would not be working and the other one would, we would always say, Don't forget to read a book. What museums have you been to? What have you seen? What theater have you seen? Like what what adventures have you gone on? Like you have to you need input to create output. It's true. You have to live. I mean, a lot of people say that you have to live to learn. And at a certain point, you're right about the zip code. And I feel also, you know, watching this business from afar, inside and outside of it, it's also once you get that opportunity, you make your own luck too. you know, Mm -hmm. how you present yourself on a set, how what happens when those when those opportunities actually happen, how you present 
is so important as well. You know, and I think that's one of the things that's so special about you is like you still have such close relationships from the people from Felicity to uh, Alias to all your, you know, your movies, even you and Mark from 13 going on 30 and your relationships with your team. There's such like loyalty and consistency of vision and what you want to be in the world, I think is also a really important element because it's like part of it is making it, making it till you actually get a sad card, right? That catch 22. How can I do the role if I don't have a card? But once you get that card and once you're in it, like how do you, how do you maintain that sense of self and and who you are and what you want, you know, what you want out of this career? So I would say it's two. Um, and then my last question is, are we ever going to get to see um, Sydney again? I mean, everybody's like doing all kinds of reboots and I don't know. I love you in a lot of wigs. I'm like so into it. Like anything. Wouldn't Sydney anything be badass do? in her 50s? Yes. Anything yeah. I can do, like, what can I do to help make this happen? Because I really want it. And I think we need it. First of all, it makes me laugh to hear you call yourself um, looking from the outside when you are the actual center that I feel like everything revolves around. But OK. Um, yeah, this is a question for J.J. Abrams. And uh, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to leave it there. I think he has plenty of things on his plate. But if he. If he, I just can't think of anything more fun. I mean, gosh, just to be together for dinner. Somebody needs to call the alias casting crew and like say, we need you guys to do a reunion X, Y, Z so that we can just force our, just be together. Like yeah. Carl, Carl Lumley. I need some Carl Lumley. He yeah, was my partner. Everyone's still around. Everyone's still like viable and working. I'm going to start a campaign. I'm going to start like a groundswell, I think. And I may or okay, may good. not have JJ's number. So, but uh, I'm going to work mm -hmm. on it. I think it's great. It's so awesome to see you, Jen. It's like. It's so good to see you. I'm sorry that I didn't make myself more presentable, that I came straight from a workout. I was so excited to see you that I just thought, oh, it'll be great. And then I, you look all beautiful. But anyone seeing this in real life, you understand, you know. We all understand. I like that you're giving yourself a whole other like hairdo. Yeah. It's, good. it's called glam when you have to be. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Until I can see you in person and we can have a Paloma uh, martini. Thank you so much for making the time. And thank you for yesterday. Thank you for bringing us all that joy. Uh, thank you. Thanks to the whole world for <laughs> embracing it. God bless everyone. I'm so grateful. <laughs> all right. I'll see you later. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me. Yes Day is streaming on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company.